Hey everybody, welcome to the Spliff Podcast. I'm Bo Nellis, and this is episode 23. Uh, like I said, I'm Bo, so it's not a guest speaker. I just got sick, got a little bout of laryngitis, so we're going to keep this really short. Definitely got a sneak a for you this time. Uh, I'm going to go over some stoner moments, and then I'm just going to play you a clip of uh, something that I recorded a while ago. First, stoner moments. Um, Last time I talked about decarboxylation, and I wanted to clarify that decarboxylizing the acidic forms of the cannabinoids when they're already in the oil is much harder than, than doing it beforehand. So taking that extra step to decarb your material before the oil is really important. And unless you want a more mellow, slow onset, super body kind of high, in which case maybe not decarboxylating because you know you're going to be using it in food products, uh, you know, when you cook uh, eggs or uh, in other recipes, then a slower, mellower high might be what you're looking for. And another thing that I wanted to make sure I mentioned was that decarb times and temperatures for the different cannabinoids and the different terpenes uh, are going to vary. So CBD takes longer and a higher temperature than THC. The studies that have been done show, but there are issues with those studies like vacuums and things like that. However, different molecular structures are going to mean different reactions to different temperatures. So that's something to look out for if you're using different cannabinoids. I want to get blonded about something super quick. Snoop Dogg is having a golden ticket giveaway a la Willy Wonka only in Colorado. And that breaks my heart. Uh, Not because I know so much about Snoop Dogg's products or the event that they're going to, but because I love the idea of the giveaway. Moving into the expert speak, what I've done is I went looking for some of the cons to legalization. I really want to know what the concerns are. Are there valid concerns? Are there studies I should know about? Uh, things like the the hemp allergy uh, or hemp seed allergy, I should clarify. Those are really important to me. And so I went looking through some podcasts and I happened upon the July 1st, 2015 episode of the Florida Psychiatric Society's Marijuana Concerns of Three Psychiatrists episode. I was like, oh, sweet. This seems pretty cool. Like, I know that psychiatry isn't a field that really embraces cannabis at all. Um, but even finding people who are willing to speak about it was was new to me. They have some other pretty interesting and very necessary topics. So I thought they would be a good place to start. Uh, the marijuana episode that I pick is no better or no worse than any of their other marijuana shows. Just the fact that they continually call it marijuana shows some some bias uh, and ignorance. And then they do come from a place of addiction, recovery, and that also paints a lot of their biases, which I'll I'll, I'll discuss. Uh, so I started listening, and I really tried to stay open-minded, and I did make it through the whole thing, honestly. But I also felt there was just no way I couldn't I couldn't have a rebuttal. Uh, so I started recording my rebuttal, and I didn't make it all the way through. 
in editing and things like that. So I'm just giving you a small snippet. I also did it much earlier and it, it wasn't the way I wanted to come out initially, but I'm really glad I did because now I get to send it to you. And it's just a small snippet. I definitely don't address everything I would like to, um, but I need to not talk. So I'm going to shut up, drink some mint tea from my Marijuana Today podcast mug. Yay. Happy birthday, Shay. Thanks for signing it. And, uh, and let you listen to what I did. I was looking up concerns about marijuana and I came across this podcast called The Experts Speak, an educational service of the Florida Psychiatric Society. Now, I was really interested in what they had to say because along with police enforcement, which is kind of coming to our side slowly but surely, there are more steps for law enforcement with groups like LEAP um, are moving towards legalization efforts. But psychiatry is one that refuses to let go. And the fear-mongering tactics that they employ are really pathetic. I was hoping that this podcast would have some genuine concerns. But naturally, as I listened through, I became incensed. And I was like, I, I, I have to respond to this. I have to respond to this. They are putting this out there. The experts speak is specifically designed, in their own words, for non-professionals by professionals. So this is what they're sending out to the general public, their concerns about legalization. We're just going to play it through and then I'm going to start making comments. Welcome to the Experts Speak, a service of the Florida Psychiatric Society. I'm Abby Strauss and thanks for listening. Welcome everybody. My name is Donna Hearn. The purpose of this forum is to, to educate the public about addictive drugs. All right, see, there's our first problem. Cannabis is not an addictive drug. There's no chemical dependency that is created by the drug. There's a difference between people who chronically use it to treat chronic ailments, but it's not a chemically altering dependent drug. But before I do, I want to read a little something that I didn't write. It's eloquently written. You'll be able to tell that. But it says, just as feelings aren't facts, and I don't think there's a person who's been anywhere near a therapist that doesn't know that statement, that feelings aren't facts, opinions aren't either. They simply reflect how an individual sees a particular issue. I don't have to decide whether another's angle of vision is right or wrong. I can listen with detachment accept the other person's right to have an opinion, and perhaps even say, you might be right. This is the spirit in which I began listening, quite frankly. Such behavior gives freedom to both the speaker and the listener. I have a bias. I'm not afraid to say that. After 33 years in the addiction field, I can't help but have a bias. Again, cannabis isn't addictive, and most of the people you've seen for cannabis in that therapy have probably been sent there by a penal system, which was rigged to do so. Medical marijuana, as it is referred to, is on the fast track for legalization in Florida. What you don't hear about is backlash that has occurred from this process. There are 340 recreational and medicinal pot shops in Denver alone. Sales in the first four months amounted to $202 million. A third of that money is recreational. The number of children coming into ERs has almost tripled due to accidental ingestions. Pot comes in the form of gummy bears, lollipops, jelly beans. Most of the children admitted to ERs were between the ages of three and seven. 
Now, I just want to say that I fully agree that this is a valid issue. Children ingesting cannabis is a true concern. That being said, most of the time, these children are ingesting it because their grandparents have it. As the speaker just said, two-thirds of those sales in Colorado were for medical, if only one-third of them were for recreational. And a lot of those are the silver foxes. This is just the beginning. Downtown Colorado Springs, I've been going there for years, has a park where it used to feed the homeless on the weekends in the morning. They would have 30 to 40 indigents show up. Since they've legalized pot, that number's gone to over 200 people, they told me, that they have to feed in that park every day. What is she insinuating? That pot makes people homeless? No, because that's not the truth of it at all. What happened is that they've had an influx of homelessness because those who are homeless understand the value of being able to obtain their meds. I know alcohol is the worst drug. I'm just a person who doesn't see what drugs add to somebody's existence. Unless they're Xanax or Prozac or Klonopin. So today, to enlighten you, not about my bias, you'll hear from these experts who have an opinion, but they also treat the not-so-innocent side effects of marijuana. People may still have addiction, and I won't prevent it from happening, but I'll at least prevent the hopelessness that comes with the disease. I'll let them know there's a door they can walk through and get help. Mr. Fry. Why are we here? We're here because marijuana today seems to be everywhere in our consciousness. As we know, the urge for people to transcend, escape, or otherwise alter their reality is a historical fact. But right now, pot seems to be intersecting with the changes in our society and this urge for people to alter their reality and has become the hot-button topic of the day. Although for those of us in the addiction field, it's not really that hot button. It's been ongoing. Aldo Morales, board certified in psychiatry and in the subspecialty of addiction psychiatry. He's a charter member of the new American Board of Addiction Medicine. Next to him, we have Dr. Dean Rotundo. He has dual training both as a psychiatrist and neurologist and specializes in the non-addictive treatment of psychiatric and addictive disorders. So treating the dual diagnosed patient. He specializes in mood disorders and addictive disorders. We're very happy to have him with us today. And Dr. Abby Strauss, he's been practicing psychiatry since 1981, worked in drug and alcohol crisis units since the late 60s. He also holds a master's degree in social work. And let's begin. Dr. Morales, what is the ASAM opinion on legalizing marijuana? You want the short version or the long version? Let's give you <laughs> ASAM is not in favor of legalizing marijuana, but ASAM is in favor of viewing the plan to perhaps extract whatever medicinal components it may have. So we're totally down with taking the drug, extracting it, completely understanding it, controlling it, but not legalizing it for you to have access to it until we completely fucking understand it. So that we can use it as an FDA-approved drug, not in the medical marijuana label that's being promoted currently. To be approved by the FDA, a drug has to be both safe and efficacious. Oh my God, so it has to work and it has to be non-toxic? Just like weed. There are no such tests for medical marijuana because it's not by prescription. It's only by doctor recommendation. That is absolutely 100% true. You don't get a prescription. You get a doctor's recommendation, which means that the paper you have is just a way of saying, hey, you can check to see if I recommended this or not. It's not a prescription and doesn't get reported to the FDA. 
So it circumvents the whole FDA evaluation process. So ASAM is not in favor of introducing marijuana into our world, except as perhaps studied as what kind of medicinal values can be extracted and exploited for benefit. The same way we extract drugs from other plants that we use in today's medicine, but in a more controlled and safe way. Now, really what he's saying here is that he's refusing to accept marijuana in his world. He's refusing to listen when his patients might be saying that marijuana helps them. He sure seems pretty interested if they say it's going to hurt, but refuses to listen in his realm, in his world, to marijuana anecdotally being beneficial. I agree with that opinion because the reason ASAM does not promote legalizing marijuana is because it can trigger addiction and brain disease. That is completely unfounded facts. Those are debunked studies that have shown to be led by government agendas. And the studies that would have refuted them at the same time were defunded. That's really the reason. Aside from what Dr. Morales mentioned regarding how it has not met the criteria for FDA approval, there haven't been clinical trials with scientific-based evidence. There's just been anecdotal reports. I'm not sure psychiatry is the field that should be pinning others down for hard science. But the primary reason the ASAM opposes it is because it can trigger addiction and brain disease. Again, totally untrue, and there are plenty of research studies out there that can back up a lot of the anecdotal things that they've said. I don't know that the world of psychiatry specifically has gone after it, but there's plenty of research which they'll get to talking about later. Some proponents will say, well, what about alcohol and nicotine? Don't they promote the same thing? And the answer is yes. So how is it logical to add something else that can promote that as well? Aren't we supposed to try and subtract substances that promote addiction and or brain disease rather than use alcohol and nicotine as a defensive posture to lead to the pathway of legalization? That seems to be a popular so-called logical approach to this. I think is illogical. I agree with ASAM for that reason. As physicians, you always heard do no harm. We're also supposed to protect the most important organ system of all, which is the central nervous system. Which is helped into a point of homeostasis through some of the components of cannabis, especially in children and other people who suffer from epilepsy and varying seizures. So is that some bullshit or what? I just want to touch on a couple of things. I don't really have a safety meeting for you. I can't even smoke weed right now because of the laryngitis. It It isn't really good. I've been doing tinctures and edibles instead. Um, but I want to address that the children eating cannabis is a concern. However, if they're going to be getting into any medicine, and like it I said before, it's going to be usually from their grandparents uh, who are probably babysitting them or something like that. I'd at least prefer it be a non-toxic, non-lethal substance. And regulations can go a long way to addressing candy uh, substances and helping patients have options. Uh, another thing I wanted to address is that the FDA doesn't understand most of the drugs. They may have some clinical trials, but nothing has the studies and history 
that cannabis does. Honestly, cannabis is the most studied drug in the history of our government and our world. And the fact that we understand it so little just kind of goes to show how little we understand drugs in the context of the way that they work with our bodies in total, especially under the FDA's guide. Uh, you, you know, the, I think the Nexium and, and Prilosec issues that have recently come into light with long-term use just are one example I can pull out. And then another thing that I wanted to say is that while I admire the Hippocratic Oath that doctors take and the particular uh, address to that issue of helping people instead of trying to hurt people when you're a psychiatrist and not a psychologist, you already have a, a tendency to turn to drugs and not bothering to look at all the research about a particular drug because of your personal bias is a violation of the Hippocratic Oath. All right, you guys, that's going to be it for me. I got to heal up because next week, oh my God, I'm so excited. I'm going to Americans for Safe Access Unity 2016 conference. Uh, that's one of the things that I went to a couple years ago and I learned so much about cannabis and how to apply it medicinally and what patients are going through and some of the new products that are out there and just amazing people. And I really want to make sure that I'm in a healthy place to go to that. And if you would like to help me cover some of the costs, I will say I'm getting a scholarship thanks to the incredible generosity of Americans for Safe Access and uh, their sponsors. But I do still have to cover quite a bit of the cost myself. And if you want to help me be able to do things like that in order to bring you more up-to-date and varied information, um, you can do a donation at patreon.com. And I would be very gracious of that. If not, just keep listening and keep sharing the word. I'm going to shut up now. Try and keep healing. You guys have a great week. Ciao for now.